Hey everyone, welcome to episode 132, Temper the Tantrums. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Probably one of the hardest parts of parenting is when our child is having a temper tantrum. Now tantrums at two and 12 and 22, they may look different, but at the root, they're all the same. So when they're little, they're showing it with biting, hitting, screaming, crying. I just wasn't prepared for all the crying that was gonna happen. Because as a teacher and a counselor, I dealt with a lot of tantrums, but the kids were able to quote unquote, keep it in, so to speak. So that post-school meltdown that you feel in the car with all kids that have it because they've been holding it in, holding it in, they feel like they're gonna burst. I wasn't really privy to that post-car meltdown experience because in this classroom, the ones who were having a hard time, I could give them strategies, I could get them interventions, I could get help, I could get the parents on board and get the counselor on board if I was the teacher or if I was the counselor, I would be helping the teacher. So there was all hands on deck to help the couple of children in each class. But not all 20 were melting down at the same time. And so the ones that weren't were probably able to hold it in a little bit, but when they got home, they would let loose. And that's normal because they've been holding it in. So I think I wasn't prepared for as much crying and tantrums and hitting and screaming and punching and just the overwhelming amount of tears. I felt like our house was gonna be flooded from all the tears. And I don't like the labels of terrible twos or the fornados or whatever all the names are, because what we're doing is we're minimizing what's really going on and what's happening is completely normal. It's like me saying to you, the sky is blue. Our kids are supposed to have meltdowns. Our kids are supposed to have tantrums. Our kids are supposed to have human emotions. And it will probably happen every single stinking honking day because you, being in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, have them too. You just have strategies that you don't know about to temper them, so to speak. The word temper is in the temper tantrums slogan, so to speak, because we're trying to temper the tantrums. We're trying to be the calm in their storm. We're trying to be the firefighter while they're stuck in a burning building. We're trying to be the flight attendant, the calm, assertive, pack leader energy. And it is hard. No one prepares you for that. I read all the books. I taught all the classes. I was the teacher, I was the counselor. I did all the things for almost 15 years before I even had Lily and Grady. So as far as prep work, I thought I was prepared for motherhood, but I wasn't because I wasn't prepared for all the screaming and the crying and the yelling. And it is hard. It's one of the hardest parts of parenting. I thought parenting was gonna be hard because of the sleepless nights. And I wasn't really worried about the sleepless nights because I'm the type of person who can sleep in chunks. And I knew David would have my back if I needed extra sleep or I had lots of family support if I needed extra sleep. And I knew it was a short-term window, but I wasn't prepared for the long-term stress of all of the tears. So I wanna help normalize that for you a little bit, a lot of it, and I hope this podcast does that, that it doesn't matter what age they are. 
they will always have temper tantrums. Nothing has gone wrong. There's nothing wrong with your child and there's nothing wrong with you because you have temper tantrums too. I have temper tantrums too. I overreact. I feel lost sometimes. I feel overwhelmed. And just like our kids, they feel those feelings too. I actually want to flip the script on temper tantrums and have you see them as not something that's gone wrong and more of this is part of the human experience. This is part of the parenting gig. This is the 50-50. This is the part that Instagram and Facebook doesn't talk about because they can't talk about it. It's not fair to put your child's dirty laundry, so to speak, or their tantrum online. Just like when you're having a meltdown or you're not living your best life, no, sorry, and you're not your best version of yourself, you wouldn't want your kids to put that on their social media if they had it when they're older. So we have to know that everybody's having a 50-50 experience and then there's not so much something has gone wrong. It's like, oh, this is part of the human experience. This is the part that Kelly talks about. This is the part that I'm reading about in the books. I thought they were crying so much and they were so upset and they were showing so much anger or aggression that I was failing as a parent. It was all about me. I thought that they should enjoy childhood all the time and they should just be kids and just relax. But you are not supposed to enjoy parenthood all the time. Just like your kid is gonna have a hard time being a kid. Just like you're having a hard time as a mom or a dad, your kids are having a hard time as a kid, as a boy or a girl. And I love this quote from Happy as a Mother Instagram. And she says, as mothers and fathers, because lots of dads listen, she didn't put that part, but I added that. We need to break out of the fear that every single little decision we make will have a lifelong impact on our children. This mindset leaves no room for mistakes on our own humanity. Oh, can I get an amen on a Wednesday? That is so true. When we're light and fluffy and everything's NBD and not everything is so serious, then we can be more childlike not childish, but we can be more childlike and enjoying them in their reindeer games versus having them join us in our reindeer games. I love this quote by Juliana Minor. She says, just a reminder that the only thing harder than parenting a teenager is actually being one. And that's true for toddlers. That's true for teens and all the ages in between. Being a human is hard. I'm 47 and it's hard to be 47. So it's hard to be four. It's hard to be seven. So if we can just embrace the hard, then we can see our child as having a hard time versus giving us a hard time. I say that over and over because I really want that to resonate with you, that nothing has gone wrong. When they're not enjoying childhood and they're not happy all the time, you don't have to be happy all the time either. Your kids will get on your nerves. And guess what? You'll get on your kids' nerves. You'll get on your spouse's nerves. They will get on your nerves. It's all okay. It's part of the 50-50. It's part of the human experience. The less we argue about that and the less we argue with reality, the more we're like, oh, okay. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, this is a throbbing soul that came through me, but didn't come from me. Then we can kind of loosen our grip, so to speak, and not be so serious. I was such a serious mom before, and I still catch myself all the time in such serious mode. And when we think about it, none of it really matters. And when we know that none of it really matters, then it can matter in a very light and fluffy and loose way. It's not the end of the world if we give them chicken nuggets for dinner. We don't have to be perfect in all the things. And letting go of that perfection is where the strainer parenting and the B minus parenting comes in because we realize that we're just raising another human and we're enjoying the human experience with them and we get to watch it from afar. And we get to watch it almost on the sidelines like this is amazing. Oh, I know how that feels. So when we're trying to temper the temper tantrums, there are four steps that you can use at any time, anywhere, at any age. And this works for grownups too. And I'm gonna really start to dive into how to feel your feelings because I don't think a lot of us have been taught that. So we have to kind of learn how to feel our feelings and how to feel good 
about feeling bad, which sounds crazy because we're always like, be happy, positive vibes only. And I used to fall into that happy all the time kind of thing, but it doesn't really work. And then you're frustrated that you're not happy all the time. And you're like, I must be doing life wrong. Look, they're happy all the time. They must be doing life right. I'm a loser. They're not. Game over. That's not very much fun to live your life that way. And it's not very much fun to parent from that place either. So the four steps, I want you to write these down. I'll put them in the show notes and I'm going to say them quickly. And then I'm going to expand on each area. And you can think of an acronym. I've thought of many acronyms. You can change it up, add your own spice and flair. And this is the steps of tempering a temper tantrum, no matter what age. Now, we don't ever want them to go away. We don't want them to be non-existent because that's creepy and weird to have a child who doesn't feel emotions. It's going to feel counterintuitive. You're going to feel like you're giving into the tantrum, that you're rewarding the quote unquote bad behavior. But I was at a Building Better Moms meeting and we had a guest speaker. I wish I could remember her name. And she said, the goal is to change the behavior not to change the emotion, not to change the feeling. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is so true. You're actually gonna connect more with your kids when they have their tantrums. Now, what happens over time, and I've said this over and over and over, is that they happen less frequent, they happen with less duration, and they're not so intense. And when they are, it doesn't flip you out so much because they're still gonna be intense. They still will last longer than you think they should, and they still will happen. They happen in our house. Sometimes I join the tantrum, sometimes I don't. I'm going to just say them and then I'll expand. Detach, label, normalize, support. Okay, let's break that down. Detach, label, normalize, support. Now, are these the end all be all? No. Is everything Kelly says like reading from the Bible? No, you get to add your own spice and flair. If there's a part of it you don't like, it doesn't resonate, doesn't work with your kids, you don't use it or you add your own little twist to it. So detaching the ego, we talk about all the time. I think I've done 47 podcasts just on how to detach the ego. The reason why you're reacting is not because of your child. The reason why I react is not because of our children. It's because of something going on with me. Whenever your reaction doesn't fit the crime, so to speak, then you know something else is going there. And then you get super curious and not so furious. Kind of like when our kids have meltdowns, as soon as they get in the car, when they are able to usually hold in their emotions a little bit better or just talk about their emotions, or they flip out because you made the food too hot or too cold, and then you find out later there's something underneath it. Like, oh, one of my best friends said she doesn't want to be friends with me anymore. Or I didn't do well on a test. Or I'm so overwhelmed with school. Or you know that there's something usually going on. You're like, oh, that makes sense. So you're just displacing some of that frustration onto me. I get it. I've done that too. I've overreacted before. So when we know that there's something always underneath it, and when they're little, there's not anything usually underneath it. It's just they don't know how to express and talk about their feelings. So when we know that that's happening with our kids, the same thing happens with us when we overreact or our reaction doesn't fit what really is going on, then we know something else is going on. So that's where detaching comes in so helpful because you see these children as children from God, children from the universe, children from the stork, children not belonging to you. They came through you, not from you. You're just babysitting God's children. You're just babysitting your neighbor's children, whatever works. You're just coaching a soccer team, whatever works to help you detach your ego. And then when you do have a big reaction, you can get really curious, like, what's going on for you, love? That's what I'll tell myself. What's going on for you? What, what, what happened there? Just like we do with our kids, we do that same conversation with ourselves. So a lot of times the house is messy or the house is too loud. And so we flip out on our kids over something little and it had nothing to do with them because they're almost like the dog to kick, so to speak. So that's why that power in the pause, the detaching the ego is so powerful because it's everything. So after you detach the ego, which is literally the hardest part, you're going to label what you're seeing, the emotion. I see you're feeling very blank. You're labeling what you're seeing 
or what you're guessing because they don't know what's happening. Especially the little guys and the little girls, they don't know what's happening. They just have an emotion and they feel it and they're like, what is going on? So with the younger kids, you keep it very basic. With the older kids, you can be a little bit more. Seems like you're feeling very blank and then they feel understood in that moment. And it's much easier to do this when they're upset about something that has nothing to do with you. Like if it's a chore they don't want to do or giving up screen time or transitioning. Transitions are very tough for kids and transitions are tough for me a lot of the times. When I have to put my phone down and turn on my alarm and go to bed, that's very hard for me. So we can see the emotion that they're feeling. We see it in ourselves. The next step is normalize. You're going to normalize what you're seeing. You can do it through story time. If they're not so hot and so in the red zone, you can say something like, that's normal to feel that way. I've felt that way too before. You can tell a story if it's overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed sometimes too. I know how you feel. These are all connective words. You're completely calm because nothing's gone wrong. You're not joining the tantrum with them. And then the last step is support. This is so key. We send them to their rooms and say, go figure it out when they don't know how to figure it out. So in the supportive stage, you might say something like, do you need help calming down or do you want to calm down by yourself? I use that one a lot because I have two kids and one needs a lot of support and the other one, not so much. Now, during calm waters, when we talk about stacking the strats, you're going to be teaching a lot of the strats of how to calm down, how to be get out of the red zone. You're teaching them the pathway from go to red to yellow to green. Now, older kids aren't going to want to know those letters, but you can kind of get that conceptually what you're talking about. How can I help you get to the green zone? How can I get you back on green? You're not bad. You're not naughty. Nothing's gone wrong. This is part of the human experience. No one's going to freak out with you because we're the calm, assertive pack leader energy. So the other day, Grady had a lot of stuff to do and he was feeling overwhelmed by it. And I gave him some time to work on it. He had to do like his after school chores. He was working on a project for school. He had math, he had spelling, he had lots of homework, so to speak. Not a lot of it, but a lot of little things. And so I said, oh, I'm gonna go pick up Lily from school. And then when I get back, I can help you with this. Well, when I got back, I thought he'd get through a lot more tasks than he did. And he didn't because he had to type something and typing takes him longer than I anticipated. So when I got back, he was full and... I can't believe you're back already and I haven't gotten through more of this. And he starts panicking. He starts getting upset. His face starts turning red. He's going from yellow to red. I'm completely detached because I know what overwhelm feels like. I know what frustration feels like. He was really excited about trying this new Mario game. I know about looking forward to things that aren't happening as soon as you want them to happen. I get that. So I just completely detached. You can think the things. You just don't have to act the things. I'm thinking, you should have been further along than this. What have you been doing, buddy? In my head but I'm not saying it. And I'm just watching my thoughts. And then I was like, Kelly, what would you do if you're detached? So I did the steps. You seem very overwhelmed. Then I normalized it. Like that's completely normal. I feel overwhelmed sometimes too. When I have too many emails and he's like, emails, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't even have email. And I was like, I know that's just a grown up version of what makes me feel overwhelmed sometimes. And then I said, do you need help calming down and like kind of knocking the stuff, some of the stuff out? Or do you want to do it by yourself? He's like, I need help. I need help. And I said, well, first of all, let's just back this train up. In that place, they feel very powerless when you offer support. When you say, can I help you calm down or do you want to calm down by yourself? If they don't have any strats, then they're just going to be like, leave me alone. Get out of my face. I don't like you anymore. And, and completely normal reaction because they don't have any strats to pull from. So I said, first of all, you're listening to It's Raining Tacos, which is literally one of the most annoying songs on the planet. And it was on loop. I said, we're going to put on some relaxing music to kind of like calm your nervous system. I'm teaching you about nervous system, about taking deep breaths. I'm like, we're going to practice some breathing. And at this point, he's at the yellow zone. I don't do any of this if he's in the red zone. I just keep it cool. I just keep it. I'm very NBD. 
There's a lot of different pathways. It's kind of like a flow chart. You kind of have to do that dance with your child. But if you do the steps, then you get to add your own spice and flair. So I'm just giving you an example of something that happened yesterday because it's fresh in my mind. And I said, first of all, this music is, whoa, it's stressing me out. I can see why your nervous system is on high alert. What happens is when you get overwhelmed, your nervous system gets on high alert and your body starts to tense up. And then one more thing just makes you want to flip out. So I'm talking to him and I'm teaching him about nervous system and taking deep breaths and why we do these things. So I put on relaxing music. I said, Alexa, play relaxing music. And all of a sudden it was like, and he's like, I said, do you see your nervous system kind of like being like a balloon? It's kind of deflating. Now he's 11. So I wouldn't do this with a two-year-old. This is insanity to do with the two-year-old. See how your nervous system is kind of like, whew, it's kind of unwinding a little bit. Music has a lot to do with it. And then I said, I'm going to light this candle. This sometimes the sense. I'm pulling him out of the red zone, so to speak, going into the yellow. Now he's like in between green and yellow. I'm like, what, what stage are you at now? Where, where are you feeling? What's going on? And then I said, you do have a lot. I said, is there something that I could help you with that could take it off your plate? Because I can't do your homework. He's like, if you could just empty this, because he had to empty the dishwasher. I'm like, if you could just do the silverware of the dishwasher, that'd be amazing. I'm like, oh, I can totally do that. Let's do this. I, I, I said, I didn't realize how long typing was going to take you. And so... I'm on his team. Nothing has gone wrong. Now, I could come home and be upset that he hasn't gotten more finished because that's more time on my plate that I have to take away from. I could have reacted and overreacted that he wasn't finished with more stuff or maybe I accused him of dilly-dallying, which I did accuse him a little bit. I was like, I feel like you would have gotten more done. And he's like, I feel like you tell me you're lying. I'm like, yeah, I, I can see how that comes across that way. Back up, rewind. We do so much rewinding in our house. It's not even funny. And so then he was able to knock some of the stuff out. And then later, before we're going to bed, we can talk about it or not talk about it. Like, what was going on there for you? This is what I saw. What did you see? He's 11, so I can have those post-meltdown talks a little bit better. Now, we will need the same support. A lot of times, I will overreact with my kids, and then I'll have to backpedal. Like, what was going on for you? The other day, Lily bought a record player with her own money, which was like over $100, which is a lot of money for her. And she bought a record player. I guess they're making a comeback. And so there was no place in her room for it. And she was kind of melting down, kind of like, I was looking so forward to this and it didn't look right in her desk. It didn't look right in her nightstand. And so I said, let's just let's just brainstorm here. And I give her an idea. She's like, no, that's the worst idea ever. I'm like, okay, we're just, just brainstorming, just throwing things out there. Let's just, you know, here's the white flag. And so we finally came up with a temporary plan because we put it on her desk chair over in the corner. And I said, what we need is a little table to hold your record player because this chair is a short-term solution, but it does look good in that corner. And this is the size table we need. She's like, yes, that's awesome. Okay. I said, I will find you a table. I will make it my mission. I will make you proud is what I'm thinking in the back of my head. I will make you proud. Dave is out of town. I'm going to TCB. We call it take care of business. I'm going to TCB. I'm going to check this off. And so I found one. It was from Ashley Furniture. It was like only $20. I'm like, this is amazing. It was coming right away. We had ordered something from Ashley Furniture a couple months prior, and it took months upon months upon months. I'm like, look at this. So I Get it? I don't know how to put it together because David's out of town. So I tell Grady, Grady, I'll pay you 10 bucks if you put this table together because he's a Lego master. And I was like, it's like a grown-up version of Legos. He's like, this is the easiest thing ever. And in hindsight, it was, but I was so overwhelmed by that. I just completely shut down. I'm like, it's worth the 10 bucks. He's like, game on. He puts it together in like 10 minutes flat. I'm like, I don't think that was a good deal that I made. I think I want to backtrack on that deal. He's like, nope, deal's a deal. I'm like, true story. Here's your 10 bucks. I put it on the table is too small and the record player on top of it is kind of shaky. And I'm like, no, I'm going to make her proud. I'm, she's going to be so surprised. I'm going to be so happy. I'm, I'm, I had like all these expectations and she comes in. She's like, oh no, I can't. Mom, my record player is going to fall. I'm like, excuse me, I went through a lot of trouble and here I am like, poor me because I want you to be proud. My parents were always proud of me. So I want you to be proud. I want David to come home and be so impressed that I took care of business. I didn't like, you know, I just, I just TCB'd and it all came back from me needing her to be proud of me. Like what? She's 
13. That's not her job. My job is to be proud of me. And then anything she gives me or David gives me or Grady gives me or Maggie gives me is extra credit. I know that, but in those moments, it's hard to detach. And I get really sarcastic. I'm not a big yeller, but I'm a big sarcastic. I'm like, oh, thanks for the gratitude. Oh, I love how grateful you are. I love how proud you are that I just took care. Of. She's like, mom, it doesn't work. I, I would love for it to work, but it's too small. And I'm trying to like make it work. And I know it doesn't work, but I don't want to admit it because my ego's in the way and my pride's in the way. And I want them to be proud. And I was like, this is me. This is my talk. This is my tone. Okay, fine. We'll just put it back on the chair. I'll find you another one. I'll just go back to the drawing board, you know? And she's like, well, I'll find the table. I'm like, no, no, no need. No, no, I'll take care of it just for you to not like it again. I mean, this is coming out of my mouth. And she's like, what is going on with you? And in my mind, I'm going, I don't know, but I can't stop this train. I can't stop being sarcastic. I'm like, okay. I took it out and Grady's like, what was that all about? I was like, don't even worry about it, Grady. And then later I'm like, what was going on for you, love? That's when I had the, I just want her to be proud. I just want to impress David. I just want to impress her. I just want to like TCB and be like with my cape and like swoop in and save the day. That is what all came out after, not during. I'm not like, oh, you're so caught up in the moment. So seeing yellow or red. Yellow or red does not mean always screaming and crying. Sometimes it's just like, I was being very passive aggressive. I'm like, okay, fine. Thanks for the gratitude. Thanks. Very sarcastic. So later I'm like, what was going on? What? And I'm like, oh, it comes from me needing her to be proud of me. Oh, okay, some inner child stuff. Okay, okay, little Kelly, it's okay. You just need to be proud of you. It's a table, it's all neutral. I'm like, oh, okay. All post talk I'm having with myself. So later Lily, I'm like, sorry, I snapped at you. And I was so sarcastic. I don't know what was going on for me. She's like, yeah, I was like, this obviously doesn't work and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but like I bought this record player. I don't want it to break. I'm like, I know, I totally reacted. I never do that. And I'm sarcastic in a different way. I'm like, I never overreact. She's like, I know, it's so awesome. You never overreact. I'm like, isn't that awesome that we're in a family that nobody ever overreacts with each other? So I'm normalizing it. So the next time when she overreacts about something, I'd be like, oh, I know what overreaction feels like. I get it. So we're connecting over our green and yellow and red moments. We're all gonna have them. It's completely normal. We detach, label, normalize, and support. And the more that we can do that, and when they don't wanna talk to us during that meltdown, leave me alone, I don't want you to get out of my room. We don't join the reindeer games. That's so disrespectful. We don't don't, like match their mood. And if I yawn, they yawn. If they yawn, we yawn. When they're having a meltdown, we don't have to have a meltdown with them. It's hard in the moment, but it's harder to have the meltdown with the two-year-old. I promise on a stack of Bibles, I've done both. That post-meltdown shame is no fun. And the same post-meltdown shame that we have as a parent when we're falling asleep, our kids have that same post-meltdown shame. So that's part of the human experience, but they don't know how to fix it. We know how to fix it because we're the pack leaders. We can have that insight. They don't have that insight. So the more that we can normalize it, the more we can stack the strats, what happens over time is they're able to have word powers to it. When I was teaching first grade and I had students who didn't speak English, I would have to teach them with pictures and labels and words. The word apple, they didn't know what that was in English. So I'd have to show them a picture, show them the letters apple, maybe give them an apple to chew and to eat, to hit all the senses to teach what an apple is. We have to do the same thing with emotions. And the best news is our kids give us lots of practice and we get lots of practice too, because it's a lot easier to do it when they're upset about the banana being peeled wrong, because it has nothing to do with us. So practice in those moments. And then you'll realize how much harder it is when they're upset with you. Like when Grady was upset about all the stuff he had to do, I'm like, oh, no big deal. But when Lily was upset with me that the table didn't work, I was like, ooh, this is a little bit more challenging, okay. 
I'm going to practice on the things that don't have to do with me. And then when I practice there, then it's going to give me more word power and more detaching power so I can detach my ego, detach my pride and attach at my heart level and normalize it for them. And a lot of times parents will say, well, I try to talk to them and I try to reason with them and I try to teach them the strats and I try to, you do nothing. The less you do, the better. You just detach, nothing has gone wrong. You're completely calm, even though they're freaking out. You label, I see you're feeling very blank and then you normalize it. I know how that feels. I feel that way sometimes too. Things like that, not saying all those things. And then if they're still freaking out, leave me alone, I hate you, you're the worst father ever, you're the worst father ever. That's when you can say something like, do you need help calming down or do you wanna calm down by yourself? That's a really key line. And you can say any other line, that's just an example. And if they follow you around or they're tantruming with you, then you say, I, you know what, I'm gonna make a boundary right now. I'm gonna go in my room to cool off or calm down or relax, or I need to detach. So it's okay to make boundaries with your kids and then they're gonna be able to make boundaries with you when you're having your temper tantrums and they'll know how to do it because we're gonna teach them first. So tantrums aren't bad, nothing has gone wrong. We all have them at all ages. The best thing we can do is hold the space and help them out of the burning building by being the firefighter that goes inside, helps them get out of the fire on the sidewalk is where we can have the heart to hearts because we're detaching and it's connected parenting versus reactive parenting. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week, bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, Send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.